Nothing. Nothing but. Nothing but net. Net, net, net. Welcome to Nothing But Net, the podcast for triple net commercial real estate investing. Before we get into the meat of today's show, let's recap on why there's so much interest and buzz around net, net, net properties. Triple net properties are commercial real estate investments where the tenants, usually brand name corporations, pay you rent every month. Can you say mailbox money? In addition, they pay the real estate taxes, insurance, and maintenance for the property. No toilets, termites, or taxes. What's not to like? You can remember what net, 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 or triple net stands for by using TIM, Taxes, Insurance, and Maintenance. With triple net properties, there's lower risk income and cash flow because rents are guaranteed by strong credit tenants. Preservation of wealth because rent increases and property appreciation are bulwarks against inflation and a great store of value. Tax efficiency. The government wants investment in commercial real estate, so they provide inducements through depreciation and deductions which shelter income from taxation. Tax deferral, which gives potential for infinite tax deferral with 1031 exchanges, which are very popular in the triple net space. Triple net properties are a tangible asset, and as Mark Twain once said, buy land, they ain't making any more of it. Hello and welcome back to the Nothing But Net podcast, the podcast for triple net commercial real estate investing. I'm your host, Adam Carswell, joined as always by our co-host, Michael Flight. And today we have a fantastic guest. I say that every week, but it's just, it's always a great guest, right? I can't help it. And this week we've got someone who uh, is kind of like a dream come true for me, having him here on the show, MC Laubscher, entrepreneur, podcast host, uh, host of the Cashflow Ninja to be specific, I believe probably closing in on 700 total episodes now. Um, the dude is just an absolute beast, as I would say. <laughs> He's just providing so much. And again, not to sound cliche, but just providing so much value to his audience, myself included. I prefer to call him an icon instead of a beast. But... <laughs> He's a beastly icon. Um, <laughs> and uh, I just remember, you know, when I first got into, I guess you could say the world of, of real estate and investing and just entrepreneurship in general, MC was one of the first voices that I stumbled upon through our good friend, Hunter Thompson. And I was like, man, I really like this guy. He he studies the minds of you know centimillionaires and billionaires and figures out, okay, how does the average guy get from here to that billionaire level faster? I'm like, this is it. And it's funny, you know, I, I like I love mentioning this. You hear his, his English or South African accent. And if you don't know what he looks like, you're like, man, this guy, he must be wearing a suit right now, like tie, just looking sharp. And then I meet him like, oh man, this guy, he's, he's like rough around the edges. He used to play rugby. Like he's not afraid to get like, you know, down and dirty. And um, it's just been a great, uh, you know, someone I've, I've looked up to and now I can call him a friend. It's just so cool. So MC, I'm happy to have you here. And Michael, I'm sure you've got some uh, some words for for MC as well. But uh, yeah, I guess we'll do in that order, Michael, and then we'll go over to our, our guest. Yeah, no, I, I'm just excited to have MC. MC is one of the legends in podcasting and 
I've been listening to podcasts for a while, but you know, for some reason it kept, it must be the the type of podcast that I was listening to, which is a mix of um, free market, Austrian economics, and also, you know, real estate investment podcasts. So it, and I'm like, well, anything named Ninja, I need to see. So, uh, and I thought it was uh, gimmicky at first, and I listened to it. It's like, wow, this is fantastic. So, and then when we had the opportunity to go on the Cash Flow Ninja podcast last year, and it was almost a, a year right around this date, MC and I just hit it off so much. He, as you mentioned, was a rugby player, used to you know play for the Chicago Rugby Lions, and. Uh, I know, you know, a lot of the people that he knows and and then we're also swimming in the same circles. So, you know, there, there's like a lot of people that you just want to have drinks on a regular basis. So <laughs> if I was in, you know, his neck of the woods in Pennsylvania, I would be bugging him constantly. It's like, hey, MC, let's go out to an Irish pub tonight and you know, let's <laughs> talk about business. So but anyway, MC, uh, with that, thank you very much for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here and been looking forward to this. And anytime you're in my neck of the woods uh, to have a couple of cold sorbets and refreshments and wanted to talk business, real estate, cryptocurrencies and free markets, I'm up for it. Fantastic. <laughs> Love it. One of the reasons why I thought about having MC on here is because we're focused on net lease properties and how do you invest in net lease properties and, and all the rest of it. And we're giving the skills that you need. And we're bringing on experts that have been in the, the net lease property world and triple net world and people that actually know how to do it. We've actually had some people that figured out how to do it on their own by getting a mentor. So we're trying to give it an, an overall view. But one of the things before you can get into any type of commercial real estate or the real estate business, you either have to figure out how to get a mentor, figure out how to get the education. But um, at some point, you're also going to need some capital. And so I said, why not bring MC on to put together some strategies as to if you're starting from scratch and you're working a W-2 job or you're even not working a W-2 job, how do you get some capital to even invest in real estate? How do you put your stake together? But also what MC really does great is investor mindset and you know just mindset in general as to you know how to keep your head in a crazy world. So with that, Adam, I'll flip it over to you. Can we title that the name of the episode, How to Keep Your Head in a Crazy World? <laughs> Maybe another one for part two. Um, no, well, speaking of you know where to position your, your mindset, that's one thing I know, Michael, we outlined you and I when we were getting ready to bring MC on here is like, let's talk about investor mindset. And then as you mentioned, um, the strategies of kind of going from zero to 100. So um, why don't, I guess if it's okay, can we start with the mindset first, investor mindset? And Michael, could you elaborate to maybe a little bit what you'd like to cover in regards to investor mindset? Well, some people have, you know, trouble just getting started. There's like this whole plethora of, you know, things out there. Do I want to do multifamily value add? Do I want to do this? Or do I just want to like do something less management intensive, like net lease properties? But how do I go out there and do it? Do I have, you know, the capabilities of doing it? Or do I need to take that extra class? Or do I need to like pay, you know, for the the crazy mentorship that's like $50,000? People do it all different ways, but you know, MC can talk a little bit because he, over the course of 700 podcasts, am I correct? Yeah. So you've talked to, I would say, just about everybody from you know people that 
are just starting to be top experts in the field. So why don't you, you know, give us a little bit of an idea as to how to get started? Yeah, absolutely. I think like the big thing for people to understand is when they want to start and they decide to go on this journey, there's a there's a framework that I would share with them because essentially everything uh, that we're trying to create or go into a direction, it's not just diving right into it. Uh, we have to take a look at, okay, what do we want to accomplish here? What's the vision? What's the ultimate goal? Why do I even want to do this? Uh, is it because everyone else is doing that or is it actually something that I want to accomplish? And creating that vision for yourself that you want, and if you really look deep, deep down, most people, if you peel away the onion, will find that it's freedom. The desire is freedom and financial freedom and independence and being self-reliant and having income coming in uh, from cash flow generating assets, let's just say, for example, um, as an investor. So it's very, very, very important to understand exactly why you're doing it and what you're getting into and what that vision is. Because if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there, right? So you want to know exactly where you're going, why you're doing it, what the vision is, what the goal is of this. And then I'll share the framework that I've mentioned. And then you want to look at models and frameworks uh, that are out there because uh, there's blueprints out there uh, that successful people have left. And that's one of the things that I get to enjoy my show and uh, that I've been doing for five years is learning from successful people and seeing, okay, this is the blueprint. This is the road that they took. And this is how they ended up doing it. So regardless if you're a W-2 employee, if you are a small business owner, the framework that I've put together from interviewing, gosh, it's almost 700 <laughs> cash flow ninjas now, is essentially everybody has a way to make money. They all make money somehow. So whether they do it in their businesses, whether they do it in a professional capacity, with a skill, everyone generates income somehow. And then the next step then becomes, well, you got to position that capital somewhere. So you have to produce and create more than you consume, and the uh, excess capital then has to position somewhere. So right at step one, if you produce and create, but you consume more than you produce and create... You're never going to become a real estate investor to begin with. You could take all the courses and you, you could pay for all of these uh, masterminds. It's just not going to happen. So, oh, that's um, what I've been doing wrong. I thought you were supposed to produce expenses. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so produce and create and then spend less than you produce and create and put the excess capital somewhere. Position it and position it then effectively and efficiently. And I could uh, deep dive into that a little bit more. But essentially, after you make your money and you protect your money, then you look to deploy it into cash flow assets. And that's where you have to do your research of exactly what is of interest of you, what fits your investor DNA, your profile. There's many ways to invest in many different asset classes to invest in. So you have to, you have to figure out, am I going to be an active investor or a passive investor? You know, Am I going to actively pursuing this or passively, the route that I went, I started as an active investor, but then I turned into a passive one. I like to call it leveraged investing too, because essentially what I essentially did is I looked for the best people, the cash flow ninjas, and their specific niches, the top players, and I looked to partner with them and invest alongside them. And that's a way to invest in some of the best deals that are out there as a passive investor. So that's a big decision that you have to do as well. And I usually say to folks, 
as a passive investor, for example, investing in some of the best deals, um, what that allows you to do is you don't have to deal with running the business itself or phone calls or headaches or any of that. You know, when you think real estate, you know, clogged toilets and repairs and, you know, people not, not paying rent and so forth, you could focus on keeping producing and creating and focus on your capital allocation and add and diversify more and more of those. Yeah, this is a pro tip from MC. If you don't want to like go out and find one mentor, start a podcast, and then you can interview them in the podcast and then decide which ones are the best ones to invest alongside. <laughs> so he's actually still an active investor because he's you know interviewing uh, the master investors so he can invest alongside of them. But uh, really cool. Really yeah, cool. that's been the great thing about that platform is getting to, besides the incredible people that you meet, yeah, you get to see what everybody's involved with, right? And things that are of interest to you and aligned with your investor DNA. But yeah, so once you figure out, am I going to be active or a passive? Well, there's different things that you need to do in there. You know, obviously an active person is going to rely on your skill sets, your capabilities, your knowledge your credit, your access to credit or getting financing, your relationships, your team, your network, and essentially a business, especially if it's a a real estate business where you would buy a property, you would fix the property up, you would put tenants in there, and you would collect rent and so forth. Think of all the systems that you have to have in place to do that. So at that stage, you're making a very big commitment of getting getting into that game, whereas a passive investor... There's other things that you need to do too. You need to obviously know and understand the environment, economics, and just the the basic principles and study and and learn about the asset classes and the niches within the asset classes that you want to invest in, uh, and then get to know the operators uh, that are operating in the markets within the niches and the asset classes that you're in. And once you've established that, then you have to have other things in place from a strategic standpoint, tax strategy and proper estate planning, asset protection, and so forth that bring it all together. So make money, protect money, multiply money through investing, and then have those basic things in place. So the, um, the formula, yeah, again, is make money, protect money, and then invest money? Yeah, multiply money. So I call it cash creation, cash capture, cash flow creation. And then there's also growth areas that I would put crypto in where it's cash growth. And then cash control is the part where you protect what you've produced and created, what you've positioned and what you've built from an investing standpoint. Um, And boy, do you need to say those three steps? You need to play some good defense right now at at a time (laughs) in your life uh, because we're in an environment right now where you're going to have to play very, very good defense. Right. Right. What were the steps again? Um, so cash creation, cash capture, cash flow creation, cash growth, and then cash control. And the control is the protection part of it. So taxes, estate planning, asset protection. So that's kind of the framework that I put together because I see those in all of the folks that I that I interview is they all have a way to make money. They all position their money somewhere and they all have unique skill sets in generating more capital through the investment skills that they have, and then they they protect. They protect what they produce and create to where they put the money and and through their investment. So I think like that's the big thing. You know, uh, some things that I would share on um, 
Well, I just want to say we're, we're going to get back to that because yeah. you have courses and you have an upcoming book and some other things that we're going to get into a, a little bit more. Yeah. But if people want to know more about that, we'll we'll revisit that. But I just wanted to let them know to, to stick around because they can get a lot more information from you and on this method yeah. to help them no matter where they are in their investing career. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the thing that I'd share about mentors is we live at such an incredible time where you don't have to go out and pay large amounts for mentors and, and all these you know high ticket items and so forth. I mean, you can start by reading the books, following people online. Most people even communicate with you on social media directly. I mean, think about it 20, 30 years ago, right? You know, the, the folks that you're read, uh, reading the books from, they're not going <laughs> to, there was no way to communicate with them. Now you can do it online. So yeah, read their books, listen to podcasts, watch their content online, and then figure out a way, I would say, eventually to get access to them. That's that's what I've done. It's interesting. Folks ask me, how did you do this again? And I said, you know, I immersed myself in crypto, for example. So I try to figure out who are the best folks in crypto. You know, so then I came across a guy like, for example, Simon Dixon was one of those folks, uh, one of the OGs. So what do I do? Well, I consume everything that Simon Dixon puts out. I read his books. I consume all of his content. And eventually I start to join the groups and some of the programs that he has to offer. And, you know, then I try to figure out, well, how can I help? some people in that community? How can I help his team? I've got a platform eventually to hopefully have him on. So I do the same thing. If you don't have a platform, again, you could just still learn from these folks as you go. You don't have to invest in big, big, big ticket items for mentors. They're available. They're there. They're online. That's the great thing about the world that we live in right now. Yeah. you can. Um, the amount of stuff that you can get off of YouTube, a lot of the stuff in terms of both real estate and crypto is crap. <laughs> so you have to kind of like just yep. at least do a background on, you know, who's talking about it because there's a lot of people that hold themselves out as experts and, you know, they don't really, I like to use the example. I've met so many gurus that uh, were doing the whole multifamily value add thing. And, um, you know, they're talking about their track record, but their track record started in 2015. It's like, well, we, you know, in commercial real estate had one of the greatest bull markets since, you know, 2000, uh, 2011, 2012. So it's, it's really easy to look like a genius. But, um, you know, what did they do, you know, during the downturn? So, you know, why don't we move into how you would position then from an investing standpoint? You know, how do they grow and accumulate, you know, investor capital? Yeah, that's a great point. So capital positioning is one of the most important things right now. I mean, at the time that we're recording, we're in the process of a global money system change. You know, we just had a birthday, you know, on August 15th. Uh, we had the birthday of fiat currencies. Happy birthday. <laughs> the 50th <laughs> birthday. Right. So it's been 50 years since Richard Nixon closed the gold window and essentially took the world off the gold standard. So it's very important to look at capital allocation as an investor. So for example, I like the strategy of the stable of horses. We have a lot of, as you mentioned, you're going to find everything online, uh, but you have a lot of folks that are maximalists in 
their specific niches, whether it's gold and silver, whether it's Bitcoin, whether it's even certain fiat currencies, believe it or not, you're going to find folks that are maximalists. And at a time like this, it's very important to allocate capital efficiently and effectively and also in a diversified way. So uh, one of the things that we share that what we're doing is uh, having obviously some precious metals in place, having obviously some exposure to crypto such as Bitcoin. And then where would you put your, your US dollars, right? Where would you put your money? We all know the laws are on the books uh, that provide bail-in provisions, not bail-out. Um, it's a little bit different. Those rules and laws are on the book for a reason. Uh, and we've already seen uh, what happened in, in countries such as Cyprus and so forth. So when folks listen to this and hear me share this, especially in the United States, they think it cannot happen here. And coming from South Africa, I've seen many things happening in my life. And uh, most of the folks uh, there also didn't think that anything could happen there. So, yeah. So where would you put capital? So we put it in mutual insurance companies, in life insurance contracts, overfunded, high cash value life insurance. And it's through the infinite banking concept strategy that we teach. And essentially, when you're positioning capital, and what I talk about effective and efficient capital positioning is putting your capital in a place where it could do many things for you simultaneously. So for example, you could put it in a place where you can allocate it, it's there, and it's doing one job like gold and silver is kind of a hedge you know, against fiat currencies. Uh, the same as Bitcoin, the fastest horse, right? Gold and silver is your war horse in the stable. When the bullets start flying, right. the war horse puts his head down. It's just going to keep going. Bitcoin is the fastest horse. Um, and so you your, stable in there, but you, of, your stable of investments are basically your diversification strategy. Yeah, so your, that, cap, your capital allocation and your, right. your daily workhorse, the one that you put the horse and buggy on that you use every day, is your U.S. dollar because we still live in a U.S. dollar world where the U.S. dollar is the reserve currency. So where would you put it? We put it in insurance, uh, uh, life insurance contracts because of the guarantees that it has in a dividend-paying whole life insurance policy that's overfunded, also known as high cash value life insurance, putting it in there with a mutual insurance company, not a stock company. Mutual insurance companies are not listed on the stock exchanges. It's off of the stock exchanges. The, the shareholders of a mutual insurance company is the policyholders. So, um, you're putting your money in a dividend-paying whole life insurance policy with a mutual insurance company because it has guarantees on the principal and it has guarantees on the growth. The dividends that are paid is tax-free. The growth, as I mentioned in the policy, is tax-free too. And then the death benefit becomes as transferable tax-free to the beneficiaries. The powerful part of this is you can position capital in this life insurance contract with a mutual insurance company that you know is not in the banking system. It's in the insurance company. The principal's guaranteed. It's liquid. It's growing tax-free, but you can collateralize it, meaning you can use your cash value to back a loan from an insurance company. So for example, if you have $100,000 in the insurance contract, you can get a policy loan, which is secured by that $100,000 in your cash value of $90,000. And you could get that loan from the insurance company. And that $100,000 is still in there, guaranteed to growth and growing tax-free and, and receiving dividends. So your money is doing many, many different things simultaneously. Yeah. Let's just back up a little bit here. So 
I remember when I started in, you know, my, I got married and they said, oh, you got to buy some insurance now and buy term life insurance and then dollar cost average the rest in the mutual funds and blah, 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 blah. And they still tell you that. And then it, everybody on Wall Street tells you, oh, don't buy life insurance because it doesn't give you a return, blah, 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 blah. But you mentioned some key things. And this is why I really like the strategy is that the policy in all the growth inside the policy is it, it's the same thing as you would get in a um, an IRA or a 401k because it's growing tax-free, correct? Yep. And you're basically, uh, you keep saying it's an insurance contract, but it's almost like depositing money you know, in your policy, which is you know, basically your account. So it's depositing money in your life insurance account, and that money is growing. So am I correct on that? That's correct. And also, the other thing that I would also share is, and this was, a, I mean, over a decade ago, I was shocked to see this too, because I've always been interested to see, okay, what do, what do they do in family offices, for example? You know, because right. they don't do things just differently. They do the complete opposite. So when it came to insurance, and I started to see that these families, we're talking center millionaires and you know some of them with extremely high net worths because the family office uh, concept is based on the Rockefeller model. Right. Um, so very, very wealthy families. Why, they, why would they buy as much life insurance as carriers would underwrite on it? Where the average person in the population is told that it's terrible. You know, they buy the bare minimum life insurance just to basically, you know, <laughs> cover cover funeral expenses, essentially. Uh, so what's right. the difference there? You know, I looked at this and I'm like, I can't fathom this. Like, this is like two different worlds. On the one side, it's like, get as much as you can, uh, get it from mutual insurance companies. And the other part of it is like, no, 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 that's a terrible place to, to put any of your capital. Well, it's because insurance, how insurance is sold too to the public. You know, think about it. We don't think life insurance. We think death insurance. The first thing right. that we hear when we think. Right. So uh, there's a lot of great living benefits. And these families have figured it out. You know, there's some similarities between real estate, for example, and life insurance. It'll blow most folks' minds uh, just to see the similarities. But essentially, they have figured out a way to warehouse capital efficiently and effectively to protect from wealth destroyers, you know, like taxes. And at the time we're recording right now, there's a big shock coming because desperate right. governments do desperate things regardless of who you are. So there's going to be a taxable dude. I mean, they're even floating the idea of retroactively taxing, uh, raising ta capital gains. Well, um, I, I want to hit on that because yeah. the big part about tax efficient growth inside the policy, it came out in the Obama administration. It's now coming back again. They're going to go after IRAs. And so they trained you to put all this money into IRAs. And so now they've got this whole honeypot that they're going to go after. They're going to tax those IRAs. MC, how many family offices do you know that focus on building up their IRA? <laughs> I don't. I, yeah. Yeah. It's it, it's quite incredible. And I've, I've been speaking with a number of advisors and, and now and what's happening currently is there is an influx of capital into life insurance contracts again, so much so that carriers are actually capping uh, the certain amount of premiums that they could put into these policies. Because they can't deploy it into enough real estate investments. 
you know. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of there's a lot of capital flowing into them, and the reason why they're doing it is in uncertain times. It provides a ton of certainty, and it's the foundation of their overall strategy. You know, they they establish their family banks with all of the life insurance policies of all the family members, and that becomes the main source of financing for the family. It's a little bit of an advanced strategy, but if you just break it down individually, the reason right now that you want to have your money, for example, if you have any US dollars, you want to have it in an insurance contract and not sitting in the bank, is in the insurance contract, you know it's there, the principal's guaranteed, it's growing tax-free. When you eventually take out the money out of the policy- Oh, and you're you getting a out- better return than you would be if you actually deposited the money in the bank account. Absolutely. So- you're getting a better return, safety of capital, and also if it's structured correctly- it's going to provide a tax-free source of income for you through your retirement years. I'll give an example. You know, folks, folks ask, well, you know, give me some practical examples of how this has helped folks. You know, here's a very powerful example. This happened last year. So there was a couple working with us. They started working with us about uh, four years ago. So they set up policies for both of them, and they picked 2020 to retire in. That was their retirement year. Mm. And they did what everyone told them to do throughout the years, max out their 401k contributions, put the rest in an IRA, max those out. And then they also had some money in, in stocks. And then they reached out to us, like I mentioned, four years ago to set up these policies because they learned about the strategy. So I get a phone call. Now, this is March, April of last year. Very bad a time very panicked phone call. Very bad. I have to say this real quick. This reminds me of we just had Billy Keels on last week and he talks about his whole life. He was a straight A student, did everything they said, just check all the boxes and got burned yes. twice. And this just sounds like, guys, go listen to last week after this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I get the phone call and it's, what do we do? What do we do? Because we just lost 40%, you know, of in our stock portfolios. And they were basically at that stage panicking, like, what happens if there's a housing collapse now? Because our money is like most American families, either in a house or in a 401k in an IRA. So what do we do? What do we do? And I said, well, you guys connected with us and you set up these policies so we can actually take out money tax-free in 2020 to fund the money that you would need to live on in 2020. And then as the market came back, I mean, they moved it into cash accounts and set up more policies, but it provided that that one thing that they could count on, Right. that, all right, we have money in our insurance contracts, we can access that. Um, so it was a volatility buffer for them. The other thing for investors is essentially, and, and this is what I've been doing uh, for over a decade, is funding these policies. And then I would borrow the, the money from these policies to invest in my business and invest and grow my portfolio. And as uh, windfalls are coming through my business and um, other investments are liquidated, I just pay the bank back. You know, Because we always share one of the principles, key principles, and this is maybe a big takeaway for investors too. This is why you need to know why you're doing something and what the vision is. But essentially, if you're a business owner and an investor, let's just say you want to become a real estate investor, where would you want to position your capital effectively and efficiently to grow your real estate portfolio or to grow right. your business. It's not putting it you know, in the stock market. If you're a business owner, well, that money should be spent investing in your business, which is your greatest investment. But now you're investing in maybe Apple's business 
love right. Apple. I'm an Apple computer, but I don't need to be investing in their business. So for a real estate investor, I should be investing and in growing my own portfolio, whether it's a passive portfolio that I invest with other operators or an active active portfolio. And this is a great way to put it, to access it at any time that you need it um, to invest in your own business and to invest in your own real estate. Yeah. And I just want to also bring up when you mentioned this, before 1965, and even before earlier than that, most people's most valuable asset was their whole life insurance policy. And then we as Americans, South Africans, Canadians, you know, and everybody else, including like Great Britain. So, you know, most of the English speaking Western world uh, were trained that we should buy houses and use our houses as a savings thing. And then the next thing is, okay, and then you buy the term life insurance and you invest it in the stock market, which you have absolutely no control over. And a president tweeting can, you know, just tank the stock market. So, but let's go ahead and do that. Uh, So what I really, really like about this infinite banking strategy, and that's why we wanted to have MC on, not only for all the rest of his strategies, but for this thing, you don't need a lot of capital to start this. So this is perfect for even if you're just out of school and you just got your first job, this is the better way to start saving money. And this is the better way to not only start saving money, but building capital and building a reserve. Yep. Absolutely. And, and, you know, if you're just starting out too, you know, we share with folks and it's based on the principles of the richest man of Babylon, put away 10%, put away 10% by yourself first, create your own bank through these policies and pay your own bank first before any other cent is spent. Uh, and eventually you increase it. You know, we see uh, with our clients that are doing really, really well, you know, if they start at 10, they increase it every year and, you know, they end up putting away between 40 to 50% of their incomes. And some of it in the policies, uh, some of it in other areas, as I shared with the stable of horses, the workhorse, the war horse, and the fastest horse, the rice horse, right? Um, but think about where you want to allocate capital. And it's, I think it's very important right now um, because most folks don't understand the pitfalls with everything. They don't understand the threats in the current environment to a lot of these vehicles, uh, which most folks just think for granted. I mean, look at if we just look at what's happening right now, Social Security is coming out. Shocker. You know, hey, by the way, we're running out of money sooner. And I'm like, yeah, we knew that before this whole thing. Um, but I believe it's 12 years from now. They're, they're out of money. Pensions are borrowing more money than ever. Um, I think the last time pensions have borrowed as much money as they're doing right now was in 2008. That's not a good sign um, because the money's gone. So they're trying to generate a return because there's no pensions, whether it's public, whether it's private. And of course, as you mentioned, the retirement accounts, if that doesn't have a big bullseye on it for governments that are going to get very, very desperate to service debt, if that doesn't have a massive, massive bullseye on it, I don't know what would. Um, and I think most countries, it's not, not just in the United States, whether in US, Canada, UK, South Africa, they're already going off to retirement accounts. Um, so right. you can see that that's a move. So what are you going to do? Well, there's a blueprint out there, you know, uh, circling back to the start of the conversation where there's a blueprint out there where you can learn and study what uh, the wealthiest families and individuals are doing 
um, and you can emulate what they do. You don't have to be a Rockefeller to do what the Rockefellers do. You could start small, take small steps and do the same thing uh, within your own life. And so then the following up with the infinite banking system with the cash value life insurance policies. And as you said, you're doing it with mutual companies because the mutual companies also give you additional, and I, I've got policies and you know one of them, it just keeps giving me the extra cash value uh, because they'll generate more income. And that's like, oh, I'll just buy more life insurance. And then you just build up the cash value inside there. But the other thing you were talking about is part of infinite banking. Once you build up this cash value, let's say you build up $20,000, of cash value, then you could really supercharge your earnings by borrowing against that. But you would only borrow against a cash flowing asset. Am I correct? Yeah, in our strategy, yes. So you can essentially use your life insurance policy for anything. Um, it serves, mm -hmm. can do many functions. It could be an emergency account. So you always have a minimum of six months living expenses in it. And anything on top of that, then you could start to use that to invest. That's one of the things that we share with folks too, is have a minimum of six months of living expenses at all time in your policy. So you could use it for emergencies. You could use it to purchase vehicles. In our strategy as investors, we borrow against it to deploy it into a cash flowing asset. And then the income from that asset is just used to pay down the policy loan, which then allows you to take more loans against the cash value. Um, but folks have done this with many, many different asset clauses. You know, um, asset based lending is borrowing against a certain amount of stocks or specific stocks or a stock portfolio. So you could get a loan secured by your stock portfolio. Most business owners know this too. They could get a credit line for their business or a business loan secured by the business assets or the receivables of the business. Real estate investors know that they can get a HELOC, a home equity line of credit, or do a cash out refi to access some of the equity. So it's essentially the same collateralization strategy because you don't have to sell the asset to actually get the capital out of it and you get it tax-free out as well. Um, and then also gold and silver. You can borrow up to 50% of the value of gold and silver. And you know, if you're holding on to gold and silver and you want to buy some real estate, you can do so too. Uh, Michael Saylor from MicroStrategy in the Bitcoin space uh, have shared this a lot with folks, you know, with Bitcoin. You know, they ask him when he will sell his Bitcoin. And he said, never. It's like buying a block of uh, prime real estate in New York City back in the early 1900s. So he's going to accumulate Bitcoin and then develop banking relationships to borrow against his Bitcoin because it'll be a tax-free loan. And Michael Saylor also doesn't want to pay capital gains taxes, which will be higher eventually when he sells it. So right. um, this collateralization strategy is great. You can do it with other assets. I do it with, with some of the other ones too, like gold and silver and, and crypto. Please do your research on the crypto because you could really burn your hands trying to light something on fire oh, there. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I'm not endorsing or encouraging that, just sharing what I do personally. And then the life insurance is my favorite one because you can access up to 90% plus. It keeps on growing tax-free. The loan is tax-free. The dividends are tax-free. And it's part of our family bank. So um, I think it's a good example just of many. Uh, you could do many different things with one pool of capital. And that's what I mean by effectively and efficiently positioning capital and that could really, really just boost and amplify everything else that you're doing. 
Yeah, and I just want to beat the life insurance drum again, because every time I've ever had to personally guarantee a loan with a bank, one of the boxes that you check is how much life insurance do you have and what's the cash value? So the banks obviously value cash value life insurance highly, you know, as something that they can go after. But what I also wanted to point out, I really love the the crypto strategy. And that's why Adam and I started looking into how can we get the flexibility of crypto and, you know, basically blockchain is the new uh, financial system. So you're outside the banking system when you're in the blockchain financial system. So one of our strategies was to create this super stable stable coin, you know, that's cash flowing real estate. And the really cool thing is, is that uh, we are going to issue our fund as a security token. So it's actually riding on the same rails as crypto. But the cool thing is, is that you can actually increase your returns. Uh, so you get the cash flow from us. You could either get it, you know, paid directly to your bank account in an ACH payment, or you could take it in a USD stablecoin or Ethereum or some other things. So you could actually dollar cost average out of the dollar by investing in real estate. Yeah. Hey, fellow Nothing But Net fans, if you're like me and you love investing and learning about real estate, you're probably the type of person who cares about the legacy you leave in this world. Well, what's it take to have a name that lives on thousands of years after you're gone? I'm Alex Petkus, former tenure track professor and now host of a new podcast called The Cost of Glory. I'm retelling for you the most influential biographies in history. People like Julius Caesar and Alexander the Great, Pericles, Cato, and others. And Plutarch, the ancient guy I'm basing this off of, he even thought listening to biography would sharpen you to face your present challenges. So join me. Look up The Cost of Glory wherever you get your podcasts or visit ancientlifecoach.com. And now, back to your feature presentation. I want to, can we highlight, because I think it's so interesting how, again, MC's had these conversations with some very high-level individuals and has just kind of seen the whole scope of not just high net worth individuals, but guys, again, you know, centimillionaires, billionaires, what are these guys doing? And it sounds like a lot of these families and individuals are very open to some form of investment in crypto and blockchain tech, which I think quite frankly, especially in the commercial real estate sector, there's a ton of very successful investors, entrepreneurs, whatever, that still haven't even touched crypto yet. And I just want, that's a lot of our listeners. Like I just don't want them to get left in the dust. So I guess what's the best way to also just get started investing in crypto if you haven't done it? Because I feel like probably a lot yeah, of our just listeners Because I, I believe everybody should at least dip into crypto to see how it works. And I guess crypto is probably the you know worst possible name you could you know call it. Because <laughs> it's like, you know, they always think it's nefarious and I don't want to get into that. But digital assets, how do you tap into digital assets, MC? Yeah. And there's many different ways to do that. I think, you know, what I personally did was I bought 50 bucks of Bitcoin and started playing around with it, you know, around uh, 2016. I just started using it, playing around with it, transfer it, set up a wallet, learn all of the basic stuff. Unlike Coinbase? Yeah. Once you, once you start doing that, you're like, wow, this is unbelievable. So I would do that. And then also what I would share with crypto too, is you can follow the California gold rush strategy too, if coins are not for you. So the big money was made, not just by the folks that mined and panned for gold, but it was the people selling the picks and shovels, the equipment, the clothes and the shoes like Levi Strauss, the folks that housed them. 
uh, that entertained them with the bars that they had ever there as the saloons, the folks that provided financial services like Wells Fargo, you know, the Wells family. So those were the folks that really, really cleaned up. So as an investor, I was going to say the prostitutes, but Wells Fargo is part of the process. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you could throw them in there. Um, but yeah, no, as an investor, you can you could find businesses that are doing things like that. And also, specifically what you guys are doing, a blend of, of both of that. Yeah, and, and position yourself. So it doesn't have to be a speculative coin. There's so many other ways that you can get involved in crypto. This is a great Absolutely. analogy. Yeah. Yeah. What um I guess as far as the, what you have to offer right now from educational perspective, I know you've got a lot of valuable directions our audience could basically go, whether it's infinite banking or crypto, or I think you said you're working on an entrepreneurship course, kind of run us through the Lobshire University archives. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. At cashflowninja.com, there's over uh, 750 episodes between Cashflow Ninja and Cashflow Investing Secrets. And then we also have programs, as you mentioned, uh, for folks that are interested in digging deeper in the strategy with infinite banking. There's a course uh, that they can access at yourownbankingsystem.com. And then we also have several different programs. We have a a program uh, where we share and help folks create a personalized and customized strategy. We give them the tools. You know, our philosophy is to help people uh, or teach them how to fish, not fish for them. So we share with them how they can do that. Uh, we have a entrepreneurship course of how to start a business, grow a business, uh, take an existing business online, and then also build a platform to communicate your brand and message 24-7, 365. And of course, build a fourth industrial revolution business, not just a business. It's going to be very different. It's going to be a thinking business, a business with intellectual shortcuts and so forth. Um, and then I have a book coming out soon. So please I'll be on the lookout for it. Uh, the 21 best cash flow uh, niches. And it's based on the 21 best cash flow niches that have been shared over five years on my show after interviewing over 700 cash flow ninjas. And we've put that together in a book. So I'm pretty excited to get that out to folks. A lot of folks have been asking, when are you guys going to do it? And when are you going to do it, MC? And it's finally there. So, but everything- Are you going to be able to get that information on your website at Cashflow Ninja? Cashflowninja.com. Yeah, if they could go to cashflowninja.com, the programs are there, the courses, the books, everything is there. In the infinite banking, your- uh, Yourownbankingsystem.com. Yeah, yourownbankingsystem.com. Yourownbankingsystem.com. We're going to have these in the show notes as well, but uh, I would recommend to everybody, the reason why we brought MC on, not only is, you know, for the overall strategy and everything else that he brings to the table, but like I said, I am very convinced that if you are trying to put together the capital to start, you know, building your nest egg, this is, you know, one of the best strategies possible. So that's why we brought him on, especially he's an expert in that. And then I would highly recommend that the courses, you've also got some special courses that you're putting together in conjunction with the book. Am I correct? That's correct. Yeah. So we've got the book, the programs, and uh, some other products that are available at cashflowninja.com. Yeah. And uh, go over to cashflowninja.com, see everything that he's got, and then come back. And you know, once you make all your money, start investing in real estate. <laughs> triple net simultaneously. Awesome. Triple net assets in particular. Well, if you're looking for passive income, the absolute best commercial real estate possible is triple net properties. There we go. And that's part of MC's 
strategy, right? I think I got cash flow creation. He specifically <laughs> said he doesn't like toilets, tenants, or termites. <laughs> so that's why we're so simpatico with the triple net property type of thing. <laughs> any um any parting words of wisdom, MC? No, thank you so much for having me on and thank you to all of your listeners listening. It's been a lot of fun and appreciate you both. Thank you very much, MC. We really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Everyone, thank you again for joining us here on the Nothing But Net podcast, the podcast for triple net commercial real estate investing. I'm your host, Adam Carswell, joined as always by our co-host, Michael Flight, CEO of LibertyFund.io. Don't forget to check out Liberty Fund's website. Some exciting news taking place there. And uh, guys, again, thank you for investing your most valuable resource with us here today, your time, and we will catch you in the next episode. Thank you once again for joining us here on Nothing But Net, the podcast for triple net commercial real estate investing. If you enjoyed what you heard today, one last friendly reminder to like, share, subscribe, or leave a review for us. It really helps a ton with the show's visibility. For the Nothing But Net team, I'm Adam Carswell. Take care. Nothing But Net. The Nothing But Net podcast is not intended to provide legal, tax counsel, or accounting advice. Adam Carswell, Michael Flight, Concordia Realty Corporation, Liberty Real Estate Fund, LLC, and their affiliates do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice or the worthiness and promotion of any particular investment. This material has been prepared for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide and should not be relied on for tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and accounting advisors before engaging in any transaction or undertaking. We highly encourage individuals and investors to seek the counsel of a qualified attorney as well as seek the counsel of a tax professional or certified public accountant to determine if there are any potential tax liabilities or consequences as a result of anything contained herein. All listeners of this podcast or video should understand that there are no guarantees of any success, outcome, or profitability of any transaction or undertaking expressed or implied and will not be liable for any financial or other losses or damages incurred as a result of any undertaking. Go to nothingbutnet.us for a complete set of disclosures. Thank you.